All Souls family, uh, welcome to the first week of Easter. Uh, Easter, of course, for Christians is more than one day. It's actually 50 days that we get to celebrate together. It begins, of course, with Christ's resurrection and then ends with Pentecost. And uh, when you think about it, the arc of that story is, is such a beautiful one. Uh, the disciples on the first day of Easter began very disoriented, confused, afraid, disrupted, uh, yet Christ appears to them and then prepares them for the outpouring of the Spirit. They're filled with the Spirit and transformed with a new life purpose and mission. And as I, as I thought about Easter, I couldn't help but compare to, to where we are. In, in some ways, maybe as Christians, we're in a similar place. We are going through a, a real disruption, a real period of disorientation. And we are uncertain about the future. We don't know what's coming. Uh, things we put our hope in are no longer there for us. But Christ is coming to us, the risen Christ, and preparing us for fresh outpouring of the Spirit perhaps revival, perhaps renewal, perhaps new dreams and new visions. And so what I thought we'd do during uh, Easter season is uh, look at some of the biblical characters who encounter the risen Christ and as he prepares them for Pentecost. And the story that we're beginning with today is uh, probably for many of us, uh, one of the most uh, favorite Easter stories. Two disciples are uh, heading out of Jerusalem on the first Easter Sunday afternoon. Uh, it's been a terrible weekend as far as they're concerned. Uh, the leader that they loved has been murdered. They are being pursued by Roman authorities. Everything that they'd hoped for seems to be dashed. There's reports about uh, arising from the dead, but they don't understand at all what that means. And so they, uh, they're getting out of town. They're leaving, they're going home. They're aboarding the mission. And Luke says that uh, the two of them are uh, walking and talking on the road to Emmaus, a seven mile dusty road. Um, and the Greek word he uses for talking means uh, to throw words together. Evidently, they're just throwing words together, trying to process everything that has just happened. And uh, the text says that uh, Jesus, although they don't recognize him, draws near to them and starts asking questions. And uh, the first part of this little story ends, Luke says that they kept talking and they felt sad. You know, when, when we go through hard things, when we go through crisis and trauma, uh, it's good to talk. It's good to process. We, we need to do that. Um, and I hope you're, you're doing that. There does come a time though, when uh, the talking alone doesn't make us feel better. Sometimes we can kind of get into kind of like an endless loop and continue to talk about the same things over and over again. And we find that maybe some of the conversations uh, leave us sad. Um, so you might look at your relationships, some of your conversations, and just, you know, are they giving you hope? Or is it starting to kind of uh, run down, maybe make you feel sad? Well, if it is, you may be ready to kind of 
go a little further on the Emmaus journey and uh, start finding out what happens when you start seeing where Jesus is uh, at work in the middle of all of this. So a mile or so outside of Jerusalem, um, Jesus joins uh, these two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and he asks the disciples, what, what are you guys talking about? And they, of course, they don't recognize him, and so they uh, run through the, the events of their tragic weekend. They say the, the chief priests and the rulers had delivered Jesus of Nazareth up to be crucified. They had hoped that he would redeem Israel. Uh, some women visited the tomb, but they really didn't understand what, what that was all about. And then finally, uh, Jesus replies, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So Jesus comes to the disciples in their confusion, their disorientation. He takes them to scripture and he explains to them what God is doing in the midst of all this apparent chaos. He explains why he had to die, what the resurrection meant, who he was, and how all of the events of Easter weekend fit in the larger story of God's redemptive plan. Now, I think he wants to do the same thing with us. I know everybody responds to suffering in crisis differently. It's important to acknowledge that. Uh, some of us, you know, still need to take time and we need to sit with grief and talk and, and, and process. Um, but for some of us, we, we need to move now beyond uh, just sort of shock and grief and say, okay, Jesus, this is where you have me. What are you up to in the middle of all this? Help me to see where you are at work right here in a place that maybe I don't want to be. See, the disciples don't recognize Jesus at first. And um, that, that can happen in a, in a time of pain and confusion and disorientation. Is It can be harder to see where Christ is, is present. But if you look for him, um, he'll find him. Now, I have found a prayer this week that uh, has really been helpful to me uh, to kind of slow me down and invite Jesus to be present uh, with me in this time, just right where I am. It's called the welcoming prayer. And I actually printed it out and just stuck it in my basket by my chair. Welcome, Lord, welcome. I welcome everything that comes to me in this moment because I know you'll use it for my healing. I welcome all thoughts, feelings, and emotions, persons, situations, and conditions. I let go of my desire for security. I let go of my desire for approval. I let go of my desire for control. I let go of my desire to change any situation, condition, person, or myself. I open to the love and presence of God and the healing action and grace within. Now also notice that Jesus 
correct some of their wrong thinking about the life of faith. They say, you know, we had hoped that this guy was going to redeem Israel. Of course, Jesus was the one to redeem Israel, but they couldn't grasp how it was to come through a, a cross and not a, a chariot. A crisis is a great time to let Jesus reset your theology. Suffering exposes wrong belief and false attachments. Uh, during this time, I, I found myself going back to writers I've looked to for years to kind of mentor and disciple me, and one of them is Larry Crabb. He wrote a letter this week, and he said this sentence that really stood out to me. Certain hope lies dormant in a soul unawakened through brokenness. Let me read that again and, and, and think about it for a minute. Certain hope lies dormant in a soul unawakened through brokenness. Now, his letter is, is well worth the read. Uh, email me and I'll send you a copy. But I think this is what he's saying. You know, in normal times, we can say, I hope in Christ, I trust in Christ. Christ is all, our all in all. I can sing it, I can preach it. But beneath the waterline, if you think of us like an iceberg, down beneath the waterline, my hope isn't in Christ. It's, um, it's in my relationships. It's in the American healthcare system. It's in uh, my, my, my body. It's in my routines and rituals and practices. It's in my titles. It's not in Jesus. And Jesus can use the stripping away of a crisis season to expose some of those false attachments and draw us closer to him. Larry continues, let's do more than manage this crisis. Let's seize the opportunity. There is a profoundly Christian way to live and think our ways through times like these. Everything that is going wrong right now is designed to shake you awake. Now, Jesus has used enforced isolation in my life to kind of show me a couple of things. Um, one is uh, I, I, I've painfully become aware of just some unhealthy demandingness in some of my relationships. Uh, when God has taken away uh, the ability to, to relate like I normally do, I think he's exposed in me something uh, not very healthy that um, really asks too much from other relationships. Uh, I found myself feeling kind of irritable or needy and uh, making too much out of slights perceived or, or real. And I think that's one of the things that as I'm walking with Jesus on the road to Damascus, he's starting to unearth and and talk to me about. Uh, I mentioned writers from the past, and it's, it's kind of odd the way he does that in my life. He, uh, he'll just bring a book to mind and even a certain page in a paragraph, and that happened this week. Um, he asked me to read something from Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, Life Together, and uh, I knew exactly the quote. Those who love their dream of a Christian community more than they love the community itself become destroyers of that Christian community, even though their personal intentions may be ever so honest, earnest, and sacrificial. God hates this wishful dreaming because it makes the dreamer proud and pretentious. Hmm. Those who 
dream of this idolized community, demand that it be fulfilled by God, by others, and by themselves. Well, I, I hadn't planned on talking about this, but a, another way Jesus has been talking to me, I, I talk to him all the time about our church and the future and being prepared for the future. And uh, one of the things that he's doing is dragging me kicking and screaming into the digital the digital age um i would far prefer to be with you this morning but i'm thankful that we can do this and uh, as i am starting to learn the positive side of social media and there is a wonderful side of social media uh, i'm having the incredible opportunity to connect with you all through the week um as opposed to um a little more on sundays or an appointment and i hope i can get back to that too but i've I've loved following your Instagram stories and just kind of connecting in different ways like that. Speaking of which, I really would like to kind of use this technology to stay more connected. And I have a question for you. Um, what is Jesus doing in you in this season? That's the question. What is Jesus teaching you? What is Jesus doing in you in this season? Would you message me on my Facebook account uh, or email me and just let me know. I would love to know what Jesus is doing in you in this season. Well, there's this wonderful little uh, point in the story where I guess they've already walked to Emmaus and they're preparing, uh, the disciples are preparing to go home. And it says, Jesus acted as if he wanted to go farther and the idea is he'd really rather stay with these guys and keep the conversation going. And thankfully, they they do invite Jesus to come in. They feed him dinner. Around the table, they break bread. Jesus is revealed at that moment. Uh, he disappears. The two disciples say, we're not our hearts burning within us when we were having uh, conversations with him on the road. And they immediately go back to Jerusalem, join the disciples, return to their mission, and have real clarity about uh, the resurrection. And it, it strikes me that, that there's a lot in this. This is one of the greatest passages in the Gospels, and I'd love to talk more about uh, the Eucharistic hints that are in this passage and how I uh, long to be at the table with you again. But I, I think even a larger point is that when Jesus really corrected the disciples and he's not all that gentle he says you guys are kind of foolish here and slow of heart and he said some hard things he's challenging them it's hard to change your beliefs or realize that you've been out of sync they could have said um hey buddy uh gosh nice walking uh we're gonna head home now and kind of grumbled to themselves about man that guy uh really was uh high octane i'm glad we're not talking with him anymore uh, because he was demanding that they change. Um, instead, they invite him in, and they have rich fellowship with him, and uh, they change. So I, I think I want to encourage you that if you've gotten to the place where you're starting to ask Jesus, where are you working this? And if Jesus is starting to um, expose things in you or clarify things in you, uh, or even rip things up in you, or rewrite things in you, or debug you, will you invite him in to continue the conversation? Will you receive what he's doing? Uh, will you welcome what he's doing? Uh, and not just kind of get lost in some, some activity. 
Because if you do, if you, if you sit down and break bread with him at the table, he will reveal himself to you. You'll see him more clearly than ever before. And notice what happens right after that, what happens to the disciples. They both go back to Jerusalem. They go back to their mission. They go back to their community. And, and they have a real vision of the risen Christ. And I do think that's something that God is doing in this time. Uh, as he's kind of allowed the, the collapse of some of our old structures and systems and beliefs. I do think that as we walk with him, he's going to give us fresh vision and fresh hope. For the next season of our journey with him uh do you believe that i really do think that's something that's going to to come of all of this now i want to say again uh you may be at a different place on the emmaus road um some of us are probably here and maybe you're still uh, really just raw and grieving and anxious and you need to process and Maybe this has triggered some trauma in you. Okay, be right there. Maybe some are kind of moved into a space of, all right, we're here. Jesus, what are you doing in this time? And maybe some have kind of moved beyond that, and your temperament is such that, hey, this is, this is exciting. This is an adventure. Let's go. I think all three of those are valid places, and I know because I've talked with you, we're all in different places on the road, and they're all okay. Of course, the goal is always moving towards Jesus. We had a, a great conversation at our Friday men's Zoom group, Friday at 12.15. And uh, we were talking about this passage, and, and, and the same thing was happening. Some of the guys were like, wow, I'm really struggling. I'm anxious. Some of the guys were, you know, I'm starting to see God at work in this. And a few were like, hey, I'm hopeful. I, I kind of see an opportunity here. But then it got tense for a moment, and a couple of the guys were saying, you know, uh, is it safe for me to be here when you're there? Or can we be in different places and accept that and not judge each other? And we, we talked about what it would be like to be a band of brothers that um, cared and listened well and then shared out of our own experience what helped us move towards Christ. And I, I really think that's a, a really good picture of what uh, we should be doing together as a, as a church family. Um, just accepting each other wherever we are on the road, but continuing to help us move towards Christ, because that's where our hope is.